0: Welcome to The Hot Seat. Welcome back to The Hot Seat. Today's guest is Erdi Babli, aka Learning to Human. Erdi is a coach for handstands, flexibility, and strength, and he's a longtime friend. He is all about becoming more human in a modern world. How can we utilize both a physical practice and also lifestyle choices to optimize our health Feel better and feel more human. So, Ernie, hey, hey, welcome to the podcast. Um, thank you very much for joining us on another brisk British winter's day. I'd like to start things off and ask you a couple questions. Why did you become a coach? Often, you know, maybe some people want to become a PT or they want to become a coach because they like training. I don't know if you like helping people well what, yep. what was the reason what what kind of motivated you and
1: inspired you to become a coach a few okay. things were going on when I decided to become a coach uh, I don't know if you remember Elliot Hulse I was actually watching a lot of his videos at the time so I was at university and we was, should
0: add that this would have been Elliot Hulse the youtuber
1: yeah yeah oh this is prior like, to this this him. is like back in 2009 2010 yeah there we go early like, early days Elliot yeah, Hulse 14 years ago because he's very different now but anyway okay. Yes. another t- topic and he was making some really good videos about basically if you if you create your a job for yourself uh, that you love to do it's then no longer really a job i can't remember he had like this free stage motto i forgot what it was um and at the time i was studying environmental science but i was also teaching octopus the octopus is underwater hockey at university so are lots of things happening here in this story but they'll come together in a second so i was teaching and coaching octopus which is a, an underwater sport which involves having a few people underwater everyone's got a stick in, the, in one hand and a puck a weighted puck at the bottom of the port, which you're pushing around passing over to each other and you, you're basically just trying to score goals with this so, puck yeah, it's hockey yeah, underwater Hockey underwater. it was great um but what i realized was while coaching that i realized i really enjoyed coaching it and i also really enjoyed seeing people develop uh, in the sport then we we started to host a training session it was like an um a so where you're not actually playing the game, but we're just swimming. I was doing like these swimming coaching sessions for the team and watching people basically get faster, get fitter, hold their breath for longer, et cetera. Uh, all along the side of what, uh, looking up loads of training videos online and looking up all these Elliot Hulse videos about you know, becoming your own boss and doing your own uh, job, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it got to the end of uni, I was now in like year, last year of environmental science. I was like, okay, I like environmental science. I like the environment, I like animals, But what I really like is watching people develop under my tuition. And that's when I decided, you know what, I want to teach something physical. I don't know what it is yet, but um, I want to do it. And eventually I ended up going down the route of becoming a personal trainer because it was the easiest way to do it.
0: Yeah, it kind of gets you introduced introduced into the world of fitness. I, I think most people don't come across and the first thing that gets them into training is necessarily like gymnastic strength training. Yes. or advanced flex, like that's, you know, that's usually a progression, usually there's something that's a, a law that brings people in, probably, you know, for myself it was bodybuilding, yeah. um, you know, I wanted to look good, I was like 18, 19 or whatever, so, you know, watching men's physique stuff, and I was, you know, training chess five days a week.
1: It's good inspiration. Though.
0: Um, But you, you kind of skipped that a little bit, I know, obviously being friends with you for a long time, and you kind of like jumped straight into like polyquin. Right, as the first thing you're exposed to. And I, I feel like almost as a rite of passage, you need to go through some, <laughs> some shit fitness advice before you get to good fitness advice. Well this, Yes. Um, but you jump straight into the deep end. Is there anything that you feel like you missed out on? Like you wish yes. you went through uh, a phase of training. Maybe you wish you did P90X or something. I don't know.
1: So I was one of those um, guys who, and I still am, who overanalyze, but don't actually put things into practice. So I spent a lot of my years... At uni, and especially my last year at uni, where I was watching these Elliot Hulse videos, also researching lots of Poliquin stuff. I, you know, I went through the phase of reading about building muscle and, and gaining strength. But here's the thing, it's like, you can you can read all the books in the world, but if you don't actually have experience training training, there's there's only so much you can apply. Like it's very different. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't learn feelings through books. So like when you have to push through hard efforts in, in your sets and reps, um, you can't learn how to do that via a book. And I uh, and I didn't. And this is what I missed out on. I missed out on actually having like some good discipline in my training in my <laughs> early years. Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe my programming was okay, and I was instead of doing you know ten by ten, I was yeah. doing like some no, five I was by five. Doing like twenty sets of squats. Exactly. Instead of doing like the yeah the twenty set mm-hmm. squat thing, which I, uh, I think you take a ten RM and do twenty reps of it or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I never actually did that. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't build that base of discipline. Instead, what I built was more of a, a base of knowledge. Which I think holds true even to now. Like I don't, I'm I'm nowhere near as disciplined as an athlete as I am as a coach. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. You have obviously a passion about doing your training and developing yourself. We were talking about this actually yesterday. But then I think as you, if if you're coaching people, that passion changes. You know, your focus is more on like, how do I get these people the best results? I need to spend some time in the trenches. I need to understand the process of training. I need to obviously proven at some degree got myself to a reasonable level but really what matters is you know their training their progress yes making sure that they're making the most out of it
1: yes yeah for me it was always about okay how can i maximize results from my students as opposed to how can i align my work so that i maximize the results from my own practice if that makes sense yes
0: so if i was to say to you bro you can't like planche or do million handstand push-ups how can you ever be a good coach if you're not a good athlete what do you think the difference is, um, and and why do you think there's a difference between people who are good athletes and people who are good coaches?
1: Okay, that's uh we can we can unwind because I think that.
0: the reason I talk about this because people see on social media they're like that person looks like looks a certain way. I want to look that way. Yeah, that person can do a certain thing. I want to be able to do those things. Um, why is that not always the case, or is it the case? Are they good coaches?
1: Yeah, it's not the. Ca- I mean, we've seen it. We see it day and day. Like you just look at Instagram and look at the people who are doing these amazing things. And there's, there's hundreds of thousands of them. And you'll find them all across the world. But then look at the percentage of those hundreds of thousands of people or thousands of people, whatever it is, who are doing these good things. Look at the percentage of them that are now producing good results. People but, like themselves. Yeah, but not through a scalable fitness program. Because we see that a lot. We, we see a lot of really good athletes who release a um like a scalable fitness product like a program and then we will see them post the results of people who have done this program but if we think about it these guys have got over 100,000 yeah, people yeah. going through their program exactly. it's a film effect yeah, right? yeah you know you, you if you sell if you sell 5,000 programs and you get i don't know 10 to 50 people who get some okay results out of it which naturally you should from any program yeah um you'll be able to sell those results but it doesn't make you a good coach it just means you put a program together you've, you've had itself. enough
0: you've had enough people go through the meat grinder yeah to realize their potential i guess as the sign of a good coach is that
1: yeah <laughs> molly is <laughs>
0: she's molly is trying to destroy is, the microphone setup.
1: she is ramming my foot with the stick it <laughs> and, means you need to throw it oh uh, yeah um okay. yeah the, i
0: think the sign of a good coach is that they can make every person who comes to them
1: Yes, or at least a high percentage.
0: Or a high percentage, get the most out of their training. And
1: I don't yeah. think like at the
0: end of the day, not everyone is gonna, the, the, the people you see on Instagram, that's the 1%, Yeah,
1: probably
0: less than the 1%, yeah. you know? Um, so I remember when I first started getting into body weight, calisthenics, even flexibility stuff. I mean, flexibility stuff, you see people do splits and you'd be like, that's really cool. And then yeah. now it's like people are doing back handsprings into front split. Oh and man, I'm like, that's crazy. Or, or do, a, do a side side flip into a, a middle split or something. And like landing in splits and that's crazy. Or people are just doing like 10 planche push-ups. And like that right. back in the day would have been not even conceivable. But the level was so high now.
1: But being in the field that we're in, this is obviously where we're comparing. We're making comparisons across these feats of strength and yeah, flexibility. Yeah, yeah. But also a good coach could literally just be someone who is working with a lot of people keeping a lot of people happy and helping a lot of people get results in whatever it is they're, looking, they're chasing towards. Yeah, I mean- If, if that's you know, losing five percent body fat. Yeah, if somebody yeah.
0: getting the first chin up, yeah, exactly. being able to touch their toes.
1: Exactly, I think that's amazing because you have a lot of that as well. You have a lot of these small time trainers um, who are working with people with these uh, more easier, or well, I say easier goals, like it's a bad thing. Like basically the the startup goals for bodyweight strength or strength training, like chin ups, and they're getting really good results. They're helping people do chin ups that have never done chin ups before, and that's to me that's more impressive than the person doing ten planche push ups in the corner and just like showing it off on on the gram. Which again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's just a different field. It's like this is they're almost doing it for performance, and it is a performance. It's more of a show than it is a a, t- yeah. a teaching room. You yeah. Know, that's, um, a coaching field coach mm. basically being a coach and being an athlete are very two different things
0: um following on from that i want to we're basically comment on instagram fitness versus actual fitness oh. exercises you see online versus oh.
1: exercises you would actually give to a client um you just you, you know all the right questions to get <laughs> me on a rant, don't you it's like he's <laughs> gonna have me rant about the whole mm. industry no i get what you're saying um again so and,
0: and, and like so this is where I'd say that you'd have maybe the theoretical coach yeah versus the, the the practical coach the person who actually can put something into practice and get people results versus the people who are like oh this is a nice idea yeah. or it would look good it's something that looks impressive but isn't necessarily yeah. practical where, where do you all
1: st- right so I, I don't want to go down the complete like rant route on this so I'll try and have a different perspective on it I think marketing is very different to coaching In terms of sometimes you need to market things which you might not necessarily use as your way of teaching, if that makes sense. But you basically, you put out a nice marketable sort of video, which people, you know people are going to like because that's just how people are. So you use like a hook or something to pull them in. But then when you actually train them, you might not exactly be using that specific method that you marketed or that exact same tool and those of those fitness exercises that you posted about um so i think sometimes coaches do that and i don't think that's too much of a problem i think they've just found their way of gaining an audience and then at the end of the day if if they're getting results they're getting results but yes there is there is also the element of here are three new exercises for your pancake and then you're looking at those three new exercises and you're saying to yourself, okay, I have never seen this person ever use these exercises before. I've never seen them recommend them for their students to use before. I have never, yeah, I've never come across anything. So can you give me some validation for why these are relevant? Like, can you tell me how you've come to use these exercises and why? Or are they literally just something that you picked up or you thought about last night while yeah, you're, you're going to bed and you just want to try them out, which is like, okay.
0: This seems like a cool thing to do. Yeah,
1: and it's like, let me know that. Just, just say, hey, look, I, I think these. Uh, I've tried. I've been thinking about a few different concepts. This one seems like a really good idea for the pancake. Give it a try. Let me know if it works for you. Great. But it's not advertised that way. It's here are free pancake drills. That's going to improve your pancake. Yeah. But you've, ne- which you've never seen before. But the novelty is that they're unique.
0: I think yeah, the novelty is, is what I would sort of deem as the cheap sell. Yeah. Um, on, on, on. When it comes to fitness, ultimately, you know, what what matters when you when you want to make progress. Like, what's the, what's the crucial thing? Um, we, we can go for a little bit of body weight strength. We can go for a little bit of flexibility. Like, really, you know, do you need to be doing 20 different drills for your pancake or yeah. do you just need to be doing a couple of
1: the ones that work really well? It, exactly. It's like that there's a couple that's going to work well for your current level. And then in, I don't know, 12 weeks' time, you're probably going to need to change it to something else because you've made some adaptations and now you're ready for the next level. And um, realistically, you're doing like maximum four different ex- exercises at most. Uh, over this time, and then and then after eight months, this is
0: specifically flexibility yeah. we're talking about here. Maybe like front splits or yeah. pancake. If we're talking about flexibility, you've got to think about the big five. So, you've got um, well, we'd say the big five, right? Our so big got, five, yeah, yeah, bridge, front split, mid split, uh, mid split, pancake, pancake, um, sat, seated, and shreddle, folding forward, and then pike, and pike, yeah, so fold forward, fold. So, yeah. for those, you might have three or four exercises that you know work really, really well, and you just work you know it's a bit like bruce lee he said the um i don't fear a man who knows a thousand kicks or ten thousand kicks i fear the man who's practiced one kick ten thousand yeah. times i might <laughs> be butchering that slightly but that's essentially Nothing the necessary. gist
1: of things i think and that is almost the case with fitness with the with learning flexibility as well like there are there's times in place for like a new a new drill here and there to fill something out but it's but when you're actually training you're training the same thing over and over again because that's what you need to create the adaptations for for the to goal to get that you're working better towards.
0: progressively load it maybe yeah. use a little bit more weight or a little bit more intensity you can hold it a little bit longer
1: exactly and then what happens is you've probably noticed it as well some of your passive stretching and some of the stretches that you're doing as it develops you start finding new sensations within that same drill so that same drill is now giving you new benefits which you wouldn't didn't realize six months ago uh-huh. but you wouldn't have noticed that if you kept switching your, your drills over you know what i mean Yeah, you have to stick with it for a while to peel the layers of the onion as like uh, (laughs) Emmett Lewis describes yeah yeah
0: peel it back I feel like yeah even you know different the same drill at different levels of this is where you know maybe if we're talking about bench press or squatting yeah the the movement's the same the whole time we're changing the load when it comes to flexibility you have more range of motion to access a position so the sensation you know that's why for example with pancake, so seated straddle on the floor, forward folding it's going to stretch your hamstrings adductors um, most people will sit on the ground try to fall forward and they won't even get a set up straight yeah and that, yeah. that drill was actually useless to them so it might might be a great drill mm. but it's but it's irrelevant yeah. um whereas standing is is going to be a better practice so like yes we can as you get more flexible with the drills and the sensations and their effectiveness will change as well exactly yeah so i feel like being a good coach is about the right drill at the right time
1: right drill at the right time and having the the discipline and the balls, there I say it, to basically tell your student you you need to stay on this for a bit longer um, and not just like change the drill because you, you're expecting them to be bored, if that makes sense. Because at the end of the day, okay, every, again, everyone's very different. Like the people that come to me, they come to me for results. They want to actually achieve goals as opposed to they just want directed fitness or directed exercise, sure. which is a completely different playing field. But if they want results, it's my job to get them results. So I have to explain to them, you're doing well with this drill. We're going to keep going with it because you're getting some good results. We don't need to change it. And as soon as you explain it as there is more milk to gain from this cow, so why change the cow? They're like, ah, okay, that makes sense. I will, I will keep milking this cow. Um, Do you think part of the reason for that is that on, online you see a lot of people
0: say, you know, achieve, achieve splits in 30 days or achieve hands down in 30 days? Or you see these, you know, very short duration periods of time where you see uh, a body transformation. And I've got nothing wrong with that because sometimes it does happen. Um, But like somebody like yourself, you know, I've known you for five, six years, maybe longer. And you've made continuous progress over that period of time. And I think that's, if anything, more impressive. Somebody who's able to sustain progress over a period of three years is what good training looks like. Because people progress at different rates yes if you're making progress of any kind yes the speed is an important like there's a really you know that if you're if you're able to go further if you're able to lift a little bit more weight progress is progress so it doesn't matter how quick it is oftentimes people want the fastest progress possible yeah but if you're making progress an, at all that's great and you should almost to some extent not change things up you know, people want to add another session in they want to try and do a little bit more yeah to to make more progress
1: yeah it's very addictive but it's
0: like progress is progress just just stick with what you're doing exactly keep doing it we're going to
1: milk this cow a little bit longer progress is a drug like it's a big dopamine hit um if you go to the weight room and you lift more weight you feel great doing it you know you put an extra two and a half kilos on your back squat you feel amazing so what you want is you want to keep feeling amazing so then you're like oh maybe i should back to back squat twice a week yeah i'll do another set yeah I'll, i'll make faster progress uh i'll get i'll make more of it and i'll feel i'll feel this feeling more often but realistically like we know that's not the case that's just not how things work. No. I mean, unless you're willing to, you know,
0: No, adaptation can only happen so quickly. Yeah. Um, if you aren't making progress, oh, what should you do?
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's when you need to change something. Yeah, it's like what did I say? The crazy person.
0: Oh yeah, the Einstein's quote. Yeah, Einstein's uh, you... definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and
1: over again, expecting different results. Which is basically hand handstands. Which is hand <laughs> handstands, and the hand <laughs>
0: handstands is. Insanity.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but handstands aside, what happens if, you, if you've if you hit a serious plateau yeah. you've, 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 and you've listened to someone like me and you, and you're like, no, you know what? I have stuck to this drill and I've stuck to this drill for six months now and I have listened to what you said and I still haven't made any gains. What do I do? All right, something needs to change. Uh, the first thing I look at is recovery. That's usually the number one thing I look at. Is it like, w- what's going on? How often are you doing this? Are you recovering enough? If you take a week off and then try it again, have you made any progress if not then it's probably not recovery based um so okay cool so we probably need a new stimulus or we so, just need a new approach sorry so, say it was
0: recovery based yeah what would i do
1: uh, the, probably you're looking at reducing your volume on how often you're doing it the reason i asked that question it. is because i knew you were going to say that oh did you am okay, um, i that the,
0: predictable no 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 but it's the right answer to give oh good and the reason i wanted to ask it because a lot of people's first reaction is like i'm not breaking progress. i'm going to do more. <laughs> I'm going to try harder and it's such an aberrational like I respect people who are in the gym so much and I'm like you just get better results if you did a little bit less which yeah. just sounds it sounds like the wrong advice to give but it it's, it just is
1: it reminds me of this guy two years ago um, coaching a guy I'm not going to give his name but East Coast US and he was stuck on 20 pound pull ups and he come to me in his consultation and he's like hey man I just can't break the plateau of these 20 pound pull ups and what's 20 pound pull ups it's like just under 10 kilos it wasn't much um, but he's, you know, he's a strong guy-ish. He's, he trains a lot. I'm like, what are you doing for them? He says, well, I'm training them every other day. I was like, what? He said, yeah, I'm training weighted pull-ups every other day because I want them to improve. I'm like, well, that's why they're not increasing. Like, you, you're not recovering. You can't train weighted pull-ups every other day. Yeah. And like, he, this is a guy with a normal job. He worked in a school. He um, had a nine-to-five. He, you know, he yeah. had a wife, lifestyle had a house. stresses. Exactly. exactly yeah. He's not an athlete. Right like, you can't train to weighted pull-ups every day. So what we did is I literally put him on weighted pull-ups once a week. In, in what was it? I think it was in 12 weeks, he built up to 45 pounds on his pull-ups or something.
0: So, so doubled it. Yeah, yeah.
1: he, yeah. he like over-doubled it. He's like, oh, wow, I just had to train less? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you had to train less. <laughs> yeah, but I agree with you completely.
0: Okay, and so say train less is the first protocol, recovery. Yeah. So first thing you should do, maybe try try doing it once a week rather than twice a week, or try doing less sets. But obviously keeping the focus, the intensity, the effort the same. If that's not the case, if you don't see any progress, then what's the next thing you're thinking?
1: All right. So we're looking at flexibility, or we're looking at strength, because it differs a little bit. With strength, it's usually not movement pattern based in terms of do you need to change. A lot with the complexity of the movement where with flexibility so
0: by that sorry just to clarify sorry you know by that you mean if i'm doing dips or i'm doing chin-ups yeah.
1: you've plateaued I, on
0: your weighted chin-up i don't necessarily need to come up with some fancy new drill i probably just need to keep doing the same thing
1: exactly yeah different a different variable different um, rep range different maybe. rep range different type of weight uh, you probably don't need to stop doing chin-ups and start doing like seated rows for example or lap hold downs to improve a chin-up uh, there's something else going on so with flexibility though, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I found with flexibility, if you, if I start hitting a plateau with a drill, then it's generally, what needs to happen is you need to change the approach before you get to that drill. It's like, okay, you've either done, you're either doing like too many accessories before doing your mid split, for example. Let's say, let's say you plateau with mid split, because I think the mid split's a good one where it almost resembles strength training in terms of you just need to keep doing the middle split. But have different. You change the things around the middle split to improve it, or at least this is what yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. What's had the had
0: limitation it? that you have? Yeah. Are you, are you lacking strength in your abductors, your glutes, to to, to pull the leg out, or Are you? Yeah. Limited by external rotation of the the hip.
1: Yeah, because I've I've seen some guys that are like they'll they'll go through a middle split training, but they're doing like, 15 different exercises before they actually get to the middle split. So like because they have seen it on on Instagram, I still see it to the day, to this day. Like high level supposedly high level trainers giving like um, a 30-minute sort of like middle split flow before they actually do the exercise. So and it's like there's hip internal, hip external, hip abduction, hip abduction. You kind of cover every yeah. base rather than exactly. like... Exactly. For the
0: individual, what you need to yeah.
1: improve? So it's, um, it's a matter of... Uh, sometimes it's a matter of just reducing the number of, number of accessories or even just removing them all completely... Do a couple of leg swings, get your hips warmed up, and then go for your middle split sets and then see if that makes any difference. Because this sometimes happens with people. And again, this almost comes down the recovery route, but not entirely. It might just be that they're too fatigued by the time they get to the mid splits after doing the accessories. Yeah,
0: I mean, stretching is, is intense. It's, it's like yeah. strength training at the end of the day. And, it, you know, if you've got something demanding, like the, the like if you don't active middle split, if you're trying to do a middle split hold or you're standing letting your legs yeah. slide apart, it's low, it's heavy. If, you, if you're tired already, yeah. you, your body's going to stop you sooner because it you know doesn't want you to hurt yourself exactly
1: the the stretch reflex is very smart it's there to protect you um and then but then you got the opposite extreme where like for example someone doesn't do any accessories and what they do for the middle splits is they just do the middle splits and so okay and this is where what you were saying comes into play it's like okay well what's limiting you now is it your glutes is it a specific adductor you know you've got five adductors like have you have you trained the different positions to resemble the different ones so that you can see which one's In limiting factor your tailor pose your prone tailor pose etc um and then yeah so then you'd have to look at the accessories there try and figure out your limitation and then you would continue your mental splits while working on those limitations yeah
0: um and i think Probably the hardest thing now for people to take that advice is to figure out like what are my limitations? So is there... That's tough. And, and obviously this is where like having a coach comes in, but there is obviously good information out there. There's some good, um, some good products as well out there yep. that can take you through this. But um, is there a way that people can kind of try to figure out that at home?
1: Yeah, this is tough. I am... Um... Oh. So, uh,
0: so, okay, I'll give you an example rather than put you on the spot because I have an idea in mind. Go on. Um, usually what I would do if I was going through something and you know, we didn't really know maybe what the issue is, is, we'd we'd have a set point. So we'd go, maybe we use our pike as an example. Yeah, so forward fold. Yes. We go test our forward fold. Do a little warm up, fold into it, take some pictures, get the person to remember the sensation. How does that feel? Okay, let's have a look and see if your your hip rotation is impacting your your pike. So we'll go do yes. an internal rotation, a 90 stretch. We'll stretch the glutes a little bit. Then we go back. We'll test the pike again. Does it feel better? Does it feel worse? Does it feel no different? Okay. If it doesn't There's no change? Cool. It's, it's probably not going to be a, a factor. Okay. Let's try your sciatic nerve. Let's, let's floss your sciatic nerve by, you know, moving the foot back and forward. That can impact much stress. Let's okay. retest. Oh, we see, we see a change. That could be limiting you.
1: Yes, exactly. So you've, you've basically got a series of limitations that you know for the forward fold that you will take someone through, but that's after... Mm-hmm eight years of accumulated knowledge it's
0: much more uh, qualitative as well
1: you know
0: I I would judge it by feeling how does that stretch feel for you you can obviously see the changes you can see people can go deeper
1: but you know how do do we get someone who doesn't have eight years or nine years of this accumulated knowledge and flexibility training and then teach them a self assessment protocol Um, without having to give the mate to nine years of accumulated knowledge this is where it gets a bit trickier um so hip rotation is generally one of my main areas that i'll always check first i feel so, like that's a standard i, yeah, I feel hip, like everyone should have yeah hip internal and hip external rotation the easiest way the way i do it is i just sit on a chair i get someone to sit on a chair uh, something high enough so the foot doesn't touch the floor and i just get them to actively internally rotate the foot uh, the Basically leg.
0: keeping the knee facing keeping forward. Keeping the knee facing try to the Try to lift the foot as high as you can.
1: Exactly, to the right and then to the left, and then do it on the on the, the other leg as well. So internally and externally. And then I look for- uh, What are you looking for if you giving that a go? I'm not even looking for max, like a big range. What I'm looking for is, is there a big difference between internal and external? Generally.
0: You want it to be roughly similar?
1: I want it to be roughly similar. Uh, and I find that usually if there's a big difference, someone's got like quite a lot of internal, but not very much external. I will then give them external rotation um, priority exercises and that will sometimes help the situation. So rotation is one thing I look for. Um, Okay, Okay. to be fair, if if they've got like very, very little in both, but they're looking to do a full mid-split i would still need them to accumulate a bit in both yeah you need to you need to widen that
0: yeah the the, the between each internal uh, like if
1: you know let's say they got five degrees on each side it's it's not going to be enough usually you can probably get away with it to an extent some people can but generally like when we speak about the 70 percent rule in terms of the 70 percent of the population will respond to most things then they will need a bit more than five degrees i would I, I usually go for close to 40 degrees or so on each side yeah. is usually a nice sweet spot
0: yeah i would i per, yeah personally i'm, I'm similar so yeah. i have a little bit less internal rotation because i think a lot of people not everyone can access that yeah based on the hip anatomy most people can get external
1: yes yeah internal is definitely a lot harder it's just a lot more painful as well it's <laughs> crampy it's, yeah it's very crampy and it's not an enjoyable thing to train and then the other thing i would look at so if we were just go for like two main general rules of thumb is What is their active flexibility like in comparison to their current uh, passive flexibility range? I'm really glad you mentioned that. Oh, good. So let's say, let's go with your forward fold. You know, Uh you're trying to get your forward fold. You're like, okay, um, I've kind of hit a plateau here. What can I assess? Um, I can get my fingertips to the floor. And if I take a picture of myself with my fingertips to the floor, I can see how much of an angle there is between my lumbar spine and my my thighs. Yeah,
0: your back and your leg basically exactly is it yep. 90 degrees 100 yeah. degrees yeah is it less because
1: yeah. we have a lot of people who will be exactly a 90 degree bend there they won't realize it but they've got hands on floor because yeah. they've got like a long arms and flexi upper back mm-hmm. so and and so then that's impressive but then when we look at it we don't see it as a hands to floor pike we see it as a huge hip flexor uh, deficit like we look at it and we're like, oh, this person needs some hip flexor strength. So the, so the test that they would do is they would then... They would then sit on the floor okay. and maybe like do a pike... Com- well, there's a couple you can do, but you can see there's I'll, I'll say two of them. One of them is sitting on the floor and just your standard seated pike compression. So hands just behind the knees while you're sitting on the floor with your legs out in front of you and then you're just going to lift your legs off the floor. Can you get them off the floor? Um, and then the other one is standing. Just lift one leg up straight in front of you. How high can you get yeah,
0: it? Yeah, making sure a lot of people, don't they, they bend the rear leg when they do that to try yeah. and sort of tilt backwards. So yeah, you make sure you keep the back leg straight. You
1: want the back leg straight. But even if the back leg doesn't get straight, what we're looking for is the angle between the leg that you're lifting, so the thigh, and the lumbar spine, again, the back. And does that angle represent the same angle you can get when you're doing a standing forward fold?
0: Are you looking for 100%? Uh, no, I'm looking for within 70%. 70% of yeah. your passive range yeah. you can
1: actively lift. So if they can't, and most of the time they can't, it's like, ah, oh, this is a, a weakness. As soon as you fix that, in fact, you can generally you can see it there and then, so you see how you are saying about the sciatic nerve glide test and then the yeah, rotation yeah. test. You just give them a hip flexor contraction and then make them do the forward fold again and they've instantly improved their range.
0: So this is quite funny, so the next question I wanted to ask you was, um, as a D, because we were talking about general rules that you could apply to anything flexibility-based, I feel one of the main things is antagonistic strengthening which is essentially what you've just described yes um so i don't know could you briefly explain what antagonistic strengthening is yes um it's one of those things that like i feel like anyone who does stretching if you did some antagonistic strengthening before you're stretching you're
1: going to be more flexible um so antagonistic strength is basically strengthening the muscles which are being shortened in your stretched position so Whenever you go for a stretch, if you whatever your stretch, it could be, you stretch your biceps or you stretch let's, your let's go, with, let's go with, I think, stick on, yeah, on the forward fold. Yeah, Stick on the forward fold is our example, let's like th- touching your toes. Stay with one theme. It's easier to concentrate. Yeah. So you, you go, you're trying to touch your, your toes. What are you stretching? You're stretching your hamstrings. Now, if something is being lengthened, that means something else is being shortened. So what's being shortened when you're going for a forward fold Well, generally the anterior chain, so the muscles on the front side of the body, specifically the top of the legs, so the quads and the hip flexors are being shortened, and maybe even like the lower abs. What that means is if you can get them to shorten consciously and actively, and you can increase the strength in those shortening muscles, you'll have a much easier time shortening those muscles, which then gives you a much easier time lengthening the muscles that you were trying to lengthen in the first place which is your hamstrings
0: yeah it's um i guess to put a technical term on it'd it be a reciprocal inhibition yes reciprocal inhibition so when you do a bicep curl you know your bicep is contracting and your tricep
1: has to lengthen exactly um and it does also play a part in with the stretch reflex a bit as well from what i understand it will help lower Mm -hmm. the stretch reflex so
0: well, you're, you're you're having a conversation with your body. You're telling your body, "I want to go to this
1: location," and it's
0: your body's trying to figure out that puzzle to make it possible.
1: Yeah, and it's now basically communicating with both sides of the coin. Instead of only you're not just shouting at the the back of the legs to lengthen, you're now talking with the front of the chain, like the guys at the front, like, "Hey guys, help us out here! Like, pull us into this a little bit deeper, and we can lengthen a little bit more." Yeah. It's a two it's a two way effort.
0: So, as you said, an example of that might be uh, sitting on the floor, hands on hands, sitting in a pike hands in front of you by your knees trying to lift the legs up yes a, a pike core compression um what other examples could be a, an antagonistic strengthening exercise to help improve your hamstring flexibility
1: for your hamstring flexibility so we said the other one which was a stand-in front scale which basically means if you're standing up one uh, one leg stays on the floor keep that keep it straight as you can lift the other leg up as high as you can um and then just go for a, a big contraction there. I like to start people off with three by 10 second contractions. Um, if they can't really get anywhere above 45 degrees, because so there are some people who are just very weak in that position, I just make them do it with a bent knee and it and it still helps. Yeah. So,
0: or, I mean, you could even try doing it lying on the floor, it changes uh, the vector of gravity a bit.
1: Yes, you can do the supine variation, yeah, lying on the floor, one leg up into towards the air. That one works really well too. Uh, but I, I like the standing one because it does get the bottom leg working and it's generally a, a deficit for most people in this day and age. They, yeah, their yeah. glutes just don't work at extending the hips very well. Sure, so sure. That, that's kind of one of, my, one of my like core movements I give to most people as like my foundations in coaching. Um, what else could you do? And then you've got things like the, ah, okay, the block crushes. So basically putting an object between the top of your thighs and your lower abdomen. Usually something like a yoga block, and then you try to crush that block as hard as you can by squeezing it with both sides of the chain. So by squeezing it, um, pulling your your thighs into the block, and pulling your abs into the block. Almost like
0: you're trying to do a, a crunch or something, like literally yeah. a crunch, in you know, yeah. a abdominal crunch. Exactly in a in a plank,
1: uh, pike stretch. That's um that's one very effective way to sort of strengthen that chain and and teach the muscles how they need to contract for you to lengthen the hamstrings. Mm.
0: Um, lastly, I w- I'm glad we managed to talk about a lot about flexibility because I know it's something you're you're you know very yeah. good in, very skilled, and it's something we both we both had a similar yeah. education and learning from people such as Emmett Lewis. Yes. So you know, obviously, big shout out to him. Yeah. Um, your handle on Instagram, learning to human. Um, oh yeah. So I feel like we chat a bit about our training. I just want to ask you, uh, what ways outside of training? Do you try to be more "quote unquote" human? Like, what what does that mean to you? Um,
1: oh, yeah, what does being human mean to me? I think um. I, so I'm I'm from North Cyprus, and every time I'd go back to North Cyprus to see my family there, uh, well I say go back. Like I was born in London, but my family are from North Cyprus. Whenever we'd go back, we'd go back to the village, and that's that's where my nan lives. She lives in a small village in. In northern cyprus and yeah, you know, she'd have her own chickens she used to have her own goats at one point and um, she'd have fruit trees in the garden uh, etc and I, I think i took it for granted at the time i was just a kid i was like where are these where am i being taken i'm being taken to the village like where's the comfort of my house <laughs> but essentially what i've realized over the years is that type of lifestyle is slowly turning into the the favored lifestyle by by modern day humans who are realizing that the all of most of the artificial sort of environments that we've created are actually harming us. So so for me like going like when I say learning to human, it's kind of been right, how can I live in this artificial world and how can I live in the modern world? Because it's hard to, you know, go back to living in in a cave, for example. I'm not saying um I think there's a term for this, I forgot what it is. There's a lot of benefits
0: of of modern civilization. We're not you're not you're not rejecting that. You just
1: Yeah. Oh there's there's a term for people who reject it. I forgot what it is. I'm not one of those. But anyway (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm not saying that we should be avoiding it but I'm saying all right how can we because there's, there's obviously a lot of detrimental effects uh, on our health from current developments in society whether it's like from increased emfs whether it's through increased plastics and toxins in the air air Smog. pollution light pollution like here's the thing like there's a lot of things out there to get you when you're living in the city without you realizing and it's all cushioned up by the by comfort of living and you're in a, having a comfortable house and having like a nice bed and a warm apartment or whatever it is it, it doesn't seem so bad when, when well we yeah i think
0: i think as well you, you, you there's an element of homeostasis right so you get used to the environment that you're in and it's only when maybe you go on holiday or yes. you get out of the city and like something changes maybe you, you realize it there or you, yes. you don't realize it but you feel different
1: exactly and you have you'll probably be like oh why do i have much more clarity of mind why why do i feel much better after eating this uh, organic food and this like less processed food why why do i feel much better in the sun and you start yeah well you're not sure sometimes you think oh it's because i'm having a day and I'm, I'm not at work yeah. i mean for some people it will be that that's yeah, the it's case no
0: stress and but, um, other
1: things but you know i've been i've been living like my work and my normal working lifestyle in london and then doing the same thing in somewhere like the azores and in cyprus and turkey and other places and like oh wow there is actually a big difference in how i feel how i sleep uh, like the stats are different on my ring, my aura ring. It's kind of like records your stats, tells you about your HRV and yeah. et cetera. And you, you notice there are differences. So things that, I mean, learning as human for me has kind of been a bit about, all right, how, but how do I remain living in the the modern world um, while improving and my health and, and not being not putting myself at risk to modern world diseases, sure. if that may, a modern world illnesses and ailments. Uh, and it's been, I mean, working with a nutritionist the last couple of years has been really helpful um, because he has a very holistic approach. On yeah,
0: it. mutual friend Ryan Carter Levite. That's a, right. A friend for a long time. I'd love to have him on the podcast actually, but actually, it's good. He's, shout. he's left and he's gone to South America. You're going to have to go to Nicaragua to yeah. <laughs> to we'll get him take on the, the sauna with us on the boat.
1: Yeah, let's fucking go. <laughs> um, so working with him has been helpful, but obviously, I had this like interest in it before working with him as well. And I think, to be honest, the polyquin stuff was very. Uh, very intimate yeah yeah, yeah he's
0: pretty hot on environmental toxins and he was huge on it
1: um again and like to the point where you know a lot of people would basically not take him seriously because some of the claims that he would make but even so he basically he, he makes the the topic aware to people uh and i think it's i think most people like
0: even if they maybe they would have reject this i don't I, you know yeah for whatever reason you know you might reject i, I think it would be hard to argue when you think about it realistically. And sometimes I think if people were like, oh, no, that's rubbish. You're just, you know, I think it's just coping with the fact that, you know, maybe they're in a situation that, yes. that they, they feel that they can't change. Well, and and I think your average person, maybe they go to the city, they go to work when they're younger. And then when they get older, they're like, oh, no, I want to move outside to the country. I want to yeah. go. I think it's kind of like it's almost a, a relatively a natural sort of life cycle of things yeah
1: but by that point they've like you know ruined their mitochondria levels they've like yeah, yeah. They've demolished their gut line and they've, they've done loads of things to their body which they're now going to have to pay the price for it's usually. much
0: easier to, to not mash yourself up in the first place
1: exactly but the, the, like you said it's, it's it's hard to acknowledge these things because the more you look into it the more paranoid you start to get mm-hmm. um, and it's it almost causes a sickness in itself when you start to like try to optimize your health I don't like to use that phrase too much because there is like a bit of a, a pretentious sort of approach about it and it does it does yeah. like cause a, a bit of paranoia and anxiety i think as well it
0: can be it can be deemed slightly selfish yes you know if you're doing things and you're saying oh like you know i'm optimizing my health it kind of makes then every everyone else's decision yes is suboptimal exactly it's like, Which what, is
1: why are, you, why are you accepting to be suboptimal when which you is not necess- yourself? yeah
0: exactly which is yeah. not necessarily the case so, sometimes people aren't in the positions to to make those choices and most people yep. are just trying to just get through life at the end of the day you know we we have enough hardship yeah um if you had maybe to finish up a few rules that you think because i think that like for me personally as well um i think you don't want to be thinking about this all the time that does make you anxious it does make you yeah you know it's it's not a good mindset to be in um but if you have rules and things that you can follow and and that that are flexible uh it makes it easier you know if you're in social situations you're going out for food or um, exactly etc so well maybe if you give us a three rules that you think would help everyone
1: okay so everyone thinks it's about including healthy foods into their diet but realistically it's about removing um, uh, processed crap from the diets Uh, once you start removing a lot of like basically let's say processed foods keep it simple you're going to have to eat something and you will you'll be like okay so I need to eat non-processed foods you'll naturally start eating whole foods basically you will stop eating artificial nonsense and you'll eat the way that you've been designed to eat as a human being.
0: Well, if you say no processed food, automatically you're like, okay, I'm gonna have to buy some veg, I'm gonna have
1: to buy okay, some I'm meat. To, I'm gonna have to buy some veg, some meat, maybe some fruit, some nuts, whatever. Like, I'm just gonna actually have to eat real food. Like we used to, this is the yeah, thing, like go back 40 years to your, what your parents would be eating and they would be cooking at home.
0: Well, that's the thing. So I, I was gonna say, I feel like a good rule is like, you can have anything you want, but you gotta make it yourself. Yeah, that's really, <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you wanna eat cakes, that's fine you've got to go and make the cake yes
1: you actually have to make it like if number one rule make your own food (laughs) (laughs) that's it like that's that would change a lot of people's lifestyles sure um the other thing uh, well you said three things right so whatever you want to give i've i've started i didn't i took it for granted at first but the whole blue light thing is actually quite big and i've noticed that having some um having some effects on my stats on my aura ring in terms of my sleep and just generally how i feel the next day etc so if i reduce my blue light exposure uh, in the last uh, so many hours of the day i do feel better the next day like i've tested it i've, I've gone i've gone like a week where i like hammer it <laughs> and then like a week where i just like remove it and i'm like wow i actually feel a lot different and i look at my aura ring stats for my sleep and it's very different. My, my deep sleep improves, et cetera. Um, yes, there's
0: plenty of evidence as well. There's, there's, there's so, so much evidence.
1: And, and it's like, it's just such an easy fix that you can do. Um, so by basically limiting or reducing your blue light exposure late in the evenings, uh, a good like two, three hours before you go to sleep, I think that will make a huge difference to a lot of people. Because what that then does is it will improve sleep which will then generally just start to improve circadian rhythm, which will then just generally have an after effect onto everything else. And and, and then you will start to feel hungrier in the mornings and you will start to crave more wholesome foods. And you actually have a palate for wholesome foods. Some people don't eat, um, I say healthy, I shouldn't say healthy. Some people don't eat real foods because they don't find it tasty. But it's because they've like, just completely demolished.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get used to everything tasting super sweet or, yeah. or very intense. Yeah, y- y- it,
1: it does. And they're constantly looking for stimulus, which is what you get from things like blue light. um That's an- I, another interesting thing. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, no But right, you know, uh when I was sending my food diary to Ryan, he's like, "Why are you having this cake late at night?" He's like, "Were you stimulated at the time?" Of Ryan, the bin the nutritionist that we mentioned, he's like, "Were well, you maybe exposed to some blue light?" And I was like, "And then it clicked. It's like, huh, that's interesting." So having blue light exposure in the evenings also increases gen- just generally cravings for, for getting more dopamine fixes from other things. Okay. So, so when you start to reduce that, it's just that it plays an overall bigger effect in the picture.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to think what you, when you're saying that about, you know, wind down the night, something came to mind, which is um, the 4-3-2-1 rule. Ooh. So it was like no exercise, uh, any any Within more than four hours, four hours of sleep. Ah. Uh, don't eat uh, less than three hours from sleep. No okay. work two hours prior to sleep, and then kind of no light, no ah. artificial like one hour before sleep, or, I like, or that. like not sitting on your phone and stuff. Yeah, so I think it's cool. kind of a simple, a simple way.
1: Yeah, I, and I think a lot of people do like to have rules uh, and regulations when it comes to, to these lifestyle choices, because that's why that's why things like you know vegan and carnivore diets get so popular. It's because people want rules. Okay, I must it, not eat this. It's food. simple
0: to knock... Is, this is why I said, like, give us a few rules that people can follow. Because if, like, okay, yes. you stick to these rules, you can kind of do other stuff. But if something is a definite no, it's a lot easier than having to make a choice each time. It becomes a lot less tiring.
1: It's very true. I haven't really thought of it. in like, the rules... This is the thing. I'm quite anti-rule. Um, I don't like it. because. No. Uh, but... But it does. Here's, the thing is, it works for most people. So it is the it is the smarter approach for most of the time when we're trying to help the masses. Like when you when you've got three hundred people in front of you, it's much easier to give them a rule than it is to like just give them a statement. Yeah. if that I makes mean, sense. I mean,
0: for example, for example, like crisps. A lot of people love eating crisps. We know crisps yeah. aren't particularly great uh, for you know various. You get an eating oxidized uh, rapeseed, sunflower oil, etc. Yeah. Like I just have a rule that I don't eat crisps and. I don't get tempted if somebody offers me crisps because I don't eat them yeah it helps okay. that I'm not a massive fan but it's like yeah I just don't eat do that yeah fair enough it's not a choice then I don't have to it's not something I'm not, I don't feel like I'm missing out either yeah.
1: okay so then let's go for one more rule um, if it had to be a rule I'm trying to decide between drink water as soon as drink water drink water as soon as you wake up um, like before you take put anything else into your mouth or get 20 30 minutes of sunlight a day i can't i can't decide between i feel like the you could here.
0: put your 20 to 30 minutes of sunlight within the reduce artificial light get more real light could how be about
1: a, a good rule yeah 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 good point and um so yeah. water before i think water before. before everything else uh this is the thing like that would be a normal thing that most people would do but in this day and age it's just not anymore. sometimes
0: lot. you might get up and not not have anything in and the first thing you do is grab a coffee from exactly somewhere, yeah. and and you're just yeah you're having coffee hydrate before a, you caffeinate
1: yeah hydrate before you caffeinate i think that would apply to a lot of people i mean and that, i
0: think just in general drink water as opposed to other things <laughs> yeah. is probably like you know if if you didn't drink any if you only drank water and maybe coffee or tea like you're probably going to be pretty good yeah um i feel like there's an easy elimination there just drinking exactly sugary drinks like We we know that we know the deal there
1: yeah um just start getting comfortable with it. I mean, people struggle with it because, again, they get used to the sweet foods. It's nice, man. And the sweet drinks. It is Coke nice. it tastes good. Yeah, it does. Coke does taste, taste good. good. It, it tastes good until you know what it does to you. And then you're like, huh, I'm just drinking death.
0: <laughs> 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 right. Speaking of death, um, <laughs> we're getting too comfortable in the cold here. I think we need to get hot. And uh, yeah, hot and cold. Yeah. Sauna, sea swim. Let's do it. And some more questions. I right, look forward to them. Welcome to the hot seat for the hot takes. (laughs) (laughs) This is
1: my favorite part so far.
0: (laughs) Definitely the (laughs) best part, to be fair. It's the best type of suffering. Um, I've got three, a few questions for you. So, one, what uh, is one thing that most people are missing in their physical practice? That's right, training, lots of bits of training, handstands. What's one thing that most
1: people are missing? Missing? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of coaches will like try and make out as if there is like really important things that you have to do like move your spine <laughs> uh, or your spinal break things like this but it's just it's not true I think like whatever you do like do it just include a bit of every plane
0: so what um, you were trying to say is there's probably not, not there's not yeah. one thing that is going to solve all your problems yeah. or there's not one thing that people are missing. I mean, that, to be honest with you, is probably the right answer to that question. I answer the question because it's yeah. like, if you had to distill it down to one thing, it's like, what would you choose? But yeah. really, you're right. There's like, nothing's going to solve your problems. Yeah. Having a bit of, you know, keeping your toes
1: or fingering it in lots of different pies. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, you've got the whole idea, you know, jack of all trades, master of one, etc I don't. Master of none. Master of none. Exactly. Um, I don't think. I'm, Again, well, I was just suggesting like you should never have focus. Just you should never be so focused that you forget the reason you're doing things in the first place. You know, you, you're trying to be strong. You're trying to be healthy. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's actually a good point because I think most people train with the you know wanting to be an athlete is not a problem. Yeah. But athletes are that example of being hyper focused on one yeah. thing, whereas actually the majority of people. Um, ourselves included mm-hmm. would benefit from having just a nice well round a bit of strength yeah. training a
1: little bit of cardio a little bit of flexibility work yeah. um, but like even now if we look at top level athletes and the modern approaches to their strength their training it is quite a hybrid approach like you'll have someone who does like a leg dominant sport doing some sort of rows and chin ups even if it's like three sets of eight once a week yeah, you yeah know what I mean? to keep some balance in yeah that. because they have good coaches who know what they're doing yeah most of the time
0: yeah. Um, my answer to the question, like this is, I would say most people don't train hard enough. Ah, that's good. They weren't in enough intensity. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that. Yeah. Comes to mind straight away for me. And like, the one thing I find myself saying to clients more often than not is, just push a bit harder. But don't worry about doing as much. Just like whatever you're doing, yeah. make sure it's intense. Like just the amount of times that you do maybe a set of ten, it's like actually probably could have done fourteen. Yeah. Eugene actually just. Had a had a good one, and he was recently posted. I don't know if you might have seen the post he made, and he was like talking similarly about this. And he said, choose a weight that you think you can do eight reps. Yeah. Do eight reps, rest ten seconds. Do as many as you can. Rest ten seconds. Do as many as you can. And he said most people will be able to do like twenty of the what they think they can do eight reps of. Um, Then there was again there was a study uh, done on intensity of strength training, and and it was like I think about uh, sixty percent of people were kind of could do two to five more reps. Like 30% of people could do like 10 more reps than they're supposed to do. Yeah. And then there's only about 20% of people that actually hit something that they could do maybe one to two reps more of at most and it was actually failure. Hit the real limit. What's the biggest mistake people make with nutrition? That they try to include healthy foods
1: into their diet. <laughs> How's that a mistake? <laughs> because they don't look at the things they should be taking out. Okay. I, I think, so, basically, I think damage um products into your body so basically eating processed foods is more damaging uh, than the benefits of including healthy foods if that makes sense
0: yeah a bit like you know the whole phrase that you can't outrun a bad diet yes you know adding exercise isn't going to change the fact that you, you eat shit. exactly so and it's if the you, same thing if you, just because you had a, a kale smoothie exactly doesn't make up for the fact that you had a whole tub of ben and jerry's yeah going, in the going
1: to the, the gym cafe and getting like a ginger shot for a de- as a detox, because they've sold it as a detox uh, yes. drink, yeah. isn't going to negate the um, the negative effects of the shitty meal that you had last night.
0: We're not going for net health gains. We're just going for. Um, I you, you can't you can't take away that just because you ate something bad doesn't balance out from having something good. Yeah, we're going for overall good. Exactly. Uh, if there was one piece of training
1: equipment everyone should have, what would it be? A pull up bar. Cool. Like. I mean I, w- I would say gymnastic rings
0: but like, you need um, somewhere to hang You hanging
1: somewhere to hang them and most people just don't get outside enough to have places to hang them so i think just just the pull up bar have it fixed into your house in whatever way you possibly can um yeah.
0: yeah i think that's to be honest with you that would be fine as well i think pull up bar yeah. then you can do chin-ups exactly hanging
1: like you, you can do squats on the floor you can do lunges on the floor you can do stretches on the floor you can do push-ups but then you can't pull you can't train your back not properly Yeah,
0: can't hang either. Can't can't hang.
1: Can't break it. Yeah.
0: Break it or stretch. Overhead. Cool. I think that's uh, three simple questions. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay.
1: How Um, much back
0: was there?
1: Still trying to find my limit. Bucklover brethren! Uh, there is there is no limit to bucklava. Basically, if you eat so much that you fall asleep, when you wake up, have a little bit more. <laughs> How long have you been training calisthenics? Since I was 13. That's when I f- learned my first chin-up. Oh shit, sure. okay. Yeah. So that's like 20, oh, okay, 19 sorry, years? 20 years, yeah. Yeah, 19. 19 years. Best way to ease muscle tension when stretching? So, what you want to do you can do two things, but you want to create a contraction either in the muscle that's being stretched, so PNF, PNF, or uh, what was it reciprocal? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> reciprocal Recipro- inhibition, reciprocal inhibition, or you want to uh, create tension in the shortened antagonist muscle, so that will relax the stretch muscle.
0: What's the best value flexibility exercise you've seen people make the most gains?
1: All right, this one is the forward fold contraction. So basically when you're standing up like this. (laughs) Any excuse to get out of the water. And you push down onto an object like the floor. Like a block. And you push and you hold for 10 seconds. Do that three times and then retest your forward fold. Doing that over six to 12 weeks, your forward fold will improve massively. Yeah, I love it. Last one, tips on creating a lifestyle
0: as a movement coach that allows you to work from home and travel.
1: Fake it till you make it, baby. <laughs> no, but um, creating a lifestyle, like... It, it, you, need a, you need an online income. So yeah. like, you need to create an online income. So you need to start training people online so that you can be wherever you want to be while yeah. you're training them. And the best way to do that is to just start offering coaching for free. Are you getting cold, mate? Don't worry about it. I back. am getting cold, He's mate. Got, it's like, gone off the scale. Yes, you've got to be learning to <laughs> human out here. <laughs> and then... Um, over time, you'll get better at coaching people, and you can charge more. And then you don't need to coach as many to make as much money, and you can afford Airbnbs wherever you want. <laughs> I think we should finish up with a dunk. Yeah. Ready? There we In go. Three, two,
0: one. That's been poll calls. I hope you enjoyed poll questions from you guys. Let's get back in the sauna. So there you have it, episode two of Hot Takes with my good friend, fellow coach, Erdi. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I think Erdi gave some great questions, uh, some great answers in regards to his coaching practice, flexibility training especially, yeah. and uh, becoming more human. Thanks for joining us, suffering through yeah. the, uh, the sauna and especially the cold. Thanks for having me. And I uh, think whilst we're shivering here, probably should get back in the sauna and get warm.
1: Love the sauna by the way.
0: Round two, catch you in the next one just